0: Good morning, everybody. Let me make sure everything's working here. I think it is. Good morning. Good to see you all. Um, Welcome to Between Meals Video Podcasts. I am Pastor George Gray, your host. And uh, today we're going to be talking about Bible stuff. I hope you guys are doing well. I hope things are going. I hope everyone is staying healthy. Um, Let's see. I'm not sure who's on and who's not today. So uh, I got a little bit of a different setup. So Uh, I keep changing stuff you'd think I would uh, I would actually learn. Good morning, David. Good to see you here this morning. Um, Okay, so let's, uh, let's kind of get into today. I got a bunch of stuff for you today. Um, So over the last couple of weeks, what we've been doing is we've been talking about Paul's writing on marriage and family. And um, I hope you've enjoyed those conversations. And um, we're gonna continue that at some point in time. But for now, uh, I've been asked by a few people to consider doing something a little bit different, and I've decided uh, that I'm going to go and go in that direction because I think this is, it, it's uh, both fruitful and good. Um, so, what we're going to be doing is because of everything that's going on in our nation, in our you know, uh, in our county, in our state, um, there's just a lot of downness uh, happening around, and um, we want to try to to counter that. And so what we're going to be doing is we're going to be talking about uh, in the coming weeks anyway. We're going to be talking about um, hope. We're going to be talking about um, ways that we can kind of uh, help each other walk through this. We're going to be going in a, going in a different direction. And uh, if you have thoughts um, about how possibly we, you know, what what are some things that you do to kind of stave off the uh, uh uh the downness of dealing with depression and potentially uh, going back into some some form of lockdown whatever um how are you dealing with that what are you doing what do you what are you what are you doing to, to keep yourself up what are you doing to keep yourself inspired i'd love to know and then um you know who knows maybe that will help someone else at the same time but we're going to be moving in that direction as we kind of move forward so um all right so what we're going to be doing today um is uh, taking a little bit of time to address some questions that I've had uh, sent over the last few weeks. So for about eleven weeks, we talked about false teachers and pagan and Eastern mysticism within the church, uh, and that was a that was a that was a fun uh, a fun a fun study. It was also pretty impactful for a lot of people. And uh, there have been some questions that have come back in regards to that stuff. And uh, so what I'm going to do today is take a little bit of time and address some of those questions. Excuse me, coffee's so good and it's just necessary for life um so <laughs> while we're walking through <clears throat> excuse me while we're walking through that today, <laughs> today goodness while we're walking through that today let's try that again uh if you have anything addition additionally you want to pop up go ahead and pop it in the in the comment chain and um i'll do my best to uh to deal with them cuz i can see them right there uh so um let's get into uh into today cuz some of these are really really good and i want to make sure that we uh be, the purpose of doing this is to make sure that we don't just leave things unsaid. Um, there's a lot of things as, as, as public speakers, as preachers, there's a lot of things that we do. A lot of things that we say that make absolute perfect sense in our mind, mainly because we have spent a, uh, uh, considerable amount of time studying these particular topics. Uh, so we come to these conclusions and the way we are looking at it in, in our brains, it seems very informed and very clear, but sometimes it's not as clear as we would like it to be. And that's why we take these times to ask questions to bring more clarity to the situation. So that's the uh, that's the basic idea there. So uh, like I said, as we're going through, if there's something that pops in your mind, you think, oh, you know what? I wouldn't mind actually hearing a little bit more about this. Pop it in the comment section and I will do my best to address it, uh, hopefully, hopefully, uh, I'm actually hoping right now that we even get through all of these. So let's um, let's look at question number one. <clears throat> First question is: I don't see why we would spend and this. I thought this was this was great. I don't see why we would spend our time criticizing other Christians um, if we're all trying to serve God in our own way. Why can't we just let God decide what is right and what is wrong? Okay, so let's 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 deal with this. First off, um, because I know whenever you're talking, whenever you're spending time talking about false teaching, you're talking about um, uh, people not doing right by God. It can be very confusing. It can be actually very disheartening to hear people that maybe you put your faith in, people that you've listened to being criticized. Um, Now, one of the things that you learn very quickly um, being in a pulpit is it doesn't make any difference. Who you are, at some point in time, you're going to be criticized by a group of people. It's just, it is just a given. There's no way around it. Okay. Um, it's happened to me. It's happened to every, every preacher that I know and every public speaker that I know. It is just something that comes with the territory. So the first thing we want to make sure that we understand is that we're not criticizing other Christians. Um, this isn't the, this isn't the role. This isn't, you know, you're not telling, you're not, the, the, the purpose of dealing with false, false teaching is not to, to belittle the individual. Um, so, the unfortunate part is, because you are dealing with false teaching, um, that comes from a person. So you can't deal with the teaching without identifying the person. Um, it's actually very, very difficult to do that. You can try, you know, today we're going to talk about this false teaching, but I'm not going to tell you where it came, comes from. That means that you can't use any reference material. You can't cite any books. You can't cite any messages. You're, you're just kind of grabbing something out of thin air, and your credibility is gone. But that's why we use video clips. That's why we... um uh, uh, a study on jude oh, that's 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 interesting uh, uh don't really hear that very often um so um uh, but that's uh, let me think about that <coughs> excuse me so um in order to maintain credibility, you have to use source material and that means you're identifying people and so it can be it can be confused as belittling other christians but it, it's it's very much not um calling out false teaching and false teachers is not the same as declaring someone unredeemable or no longer valuable in the eyes of God. That's a very, those are two very, very different things. And one is, one is, one is right and biblical and the other one is very dangerous. Um, But we also have to remember that as believers, we are encouraged and commanded to examine teachings, to test spirits uh, and to guard the integrity of God's word. That is a fundamental foundational calling for all Christians is to guard the integrity of the gospel message. And that, that, that means that when someone is manipulating it or twisting it or just just doing a horrible job, um, you know, bringing, bringing forward something they're calling the gospel and it's not, and you can clearly prove that, you're kind of obligated to do that. If you really believe in the message that God has brought us for salvation, then you are really obligated to, to help protect the integrity of that same message. So here's a couple of, of, of pieces of scripture to, to help you help us remember this. So um, so it says, Let no one deceive you um, with empty talk, for it is because of these things that God's judgment is coming on those who disobey him. So don't become partners with them. For you used, uh, you used to be darkness, but now, united with the Lord, you are light. Live like children of the light. For the fruit of the light is every kind of goodness, rightness, uh, and truth try listen to this try to determine what please uh, what what will please the lord have nothing to do with the deeds produced by darkness but instead expose them uh, for it is shameful for even to speak of the things of people do in secret but everything exposed to the light is revealed clearly for what it is so when we talk about um uh dealing with this let's let's ask the question what is it that's being brought into the light so if we're supposed to bring these things into the light so they can be clearly clearly identified for what they are what is it that we're bringing into the light is it the the person is it their character and integrity is it their is it that person's value before god no it is their empty words they're empty words, the, the and and this actually says uh, uh, deeds in empty words, or more to the point, deeds produced by darkness. Um, we're to have nothing to do with these, but we're supposed to expose them. Now, the deeds produced by darkness in this particular section are the actions taken in response to empty words, in response to false teaching. So when people are given false teaching, they usually move forward with unfortunately actions associated with those teachings that also do not line up with the with the uh, the purposes of god this becomes very difficult and very dangerous because you can spend your life doing things that you think are fantastic and find out that god wanted nothing to do with them um it's a it's a sad reality but there it is but we are to evaluate these teachings. Whenever someone brings us something, whenever someone brings us a word, anything that I I, I bring to you, anything that you hear from anybody else doing a podcast or, or doesn't make any difference, you are obligated as an individual Christian to make sure that those things are right and good and in line with God's word, which means you are also supposed to evaluate these things in light of God's word. Which brings me to Acts chapter uh, chapter 17, verses 10 and 11. It says, um, uh, Then brethren, immediate, the brethren immediately sent Paul and Silas away by night to Berea. And when they arrived, they went into the synagogue of the Jews. Uh, Now, these were more noble-minded than those in Thessalonica. Now, listen to this. For they received the word with great eagerness. They were willing to listen, right? Willing to listen. You're telling me God sent you? I'll listen to you. Examining the scriptures daily to see whether these things were so. So they were eager to listen to Paul. They were eager to hear the gospel message, but they were not willing to just take his word for it. They went back and examined what he was doing. Now, something to always remember is that wherever Paul went, basically signs and wonders accompanied him. There's not a lot of them are are documented, but one thing that we can see very clearly is that that the hand of God and the power of God was very significant in Paul's ministry. It was, it was always a part of it. Um, it's we see more more about it in certain places, but there is absolutely nothing that would lead us to believe that when Paul went someplace bringing the gospel, that miracle signs and wonders did not accompany what he was doing. Um, So it's not listed here, but I would have a a difficult time believing that Paul prayed for no one while he was there, that nothing happened while he was there. Um, But nonetheless, what we have in the scripture is, is what we have. And what we have is Paul saying that these were noble men. They did. They listened to me. They were willing to hear the message, but they didn't take my word for it. Paul referred to them as uh, well. They're being referred to as noble minded men, high minded men, men with the mind of God, men who are more interested in pleasing God with their actions and what they're what they're taking in and allowing in than they are being um, you know involved with the latest trend. So this was this was a, a pretty significant thing. So. But even in this, what was being evalu- evaluated was it Paul or the message? It was the message. So this is the apostle. This is the apostle Paul. Now, granted, in his day, he was just just a guy. Um, you know, he 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 wasn't canonized in scripture at this particular point. But what we're what we're teaching is either the gospel or it's not. And one of the things that we should remember is that in almost all of Paul's writing, he is spending time correcting. The new testament church's um, uh, <laughs> failure to stay in line with the with the, uh, with the clear teachings of the bible uh clear teachings of god's word and god's intent most of paul's letters are are well, all of Paul's letters, except for uh, the epistles maybe are are highly corrective they're dealing with problems, and the problems are always about Christians not living out the truth of god's word. Not living out as not living their life as examples of things, and he's calling them out multiple times. Call, Paul mentions these people by name. Hey, this person left me in uh, in Asia. I have nothing to do with this person. I gave this person over to Satan to be sifted like wheat. We're constantly seeing these things, and today we might look at that and go, "Oh my gosh, I don't know how anyone could do that." We do that because that's that's pretty much sometimes just how it's done. Um, we have to guard the integrity of the gospel message above really everything else. There's not a single relationship that we have that is more valuable than the truth of the gospel message. There's not a single job or task or, or, or missions organization or, or, or church or whatever. Pick something. There's nothing uh, th- that we have that is more valuable than the integrity of the gospel message. We lose the integrity of the gospel message. We lose our very purpose for serving God. So the, the idea of identifying these people who are teaching things that are not of God is highly important to what we do as Christians. Now, we can't just be jerks about it. You know, we're supposed to do these things with gentleness and respect, right? To show people the hope of the glory that we have that's in us. Um, But we do this with gentleness and respect. But that gentleness and respect is that um, uh, we have a, a reverence for God's word and a respect for God's word above anything else, above everything else. Okay, so, um, hopefully that answers the first question. Let's move on to the second one. It's easy to kind of stay on one, on one topic, but I'm going to do my best to not dwell today. So, uh, second question is, where is the line between someone who should be avoided and someone who just has a different view uh, on something that you do? This is a fantastic question. Because <laughs> when you're dealing with false teachers, if, if you go online, um, it's, it's like an endless parade of, of horribleness. If you go onto YouTube and you just type in false teachers in the church, whatever, you're going to get hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of videos of, of people calling this person a false teacher. And then you're going to then that person's going to call and then you're going to find someone calling the other person a false teacher. You know, oh, this person's a false teacher. Oh, yeah, well, you're a false teacher. Oh, yeah, well, that person's a false teacher. You know what? You're all false teachers. It, it gets really, really crazy. So there's, you have to be very careful when you're approaching something like this. This isn't something, you don't just, just hear a message from someone and they're dealing with it, dealing with a topic in a way that you may not like, um, and you just write them off. Uh, you know what? I don't, I don't think this guy really understands how we're supposed to take communion. So I'm, I'm done. He's a false teacher and a heretic. He won't even be in heaven. And you, you, you can't do that. It, it It's not, that's, it's just an inappropriate way of approaching it. Um, there are a lot of people online that you might find that are uh, more towards um, uh, the reformer theology, um, reformed Lutheran, Baptist, things like that, that tend to be far more hardcore when it comes to identifying um, false teachers. Um, the, the, the problem is you really have to understand where these people are coming from. Um, you have to understand their theology first and why they're saying that this is, this is not right and this is not true. Um before you can you can really start to uh start to get into whether or not this is someone you should actually be li- listening to um so one of the things that you find through a lot of the people online who are basically trying to expose false teachings it's almost become kind of a joke in, in a lot of ways. There's so many people uh, uh doing just that. you know like this is a podcast we try to teach the bible um we try to try to encourage people, but there's so many people online they're just trying to just spend their time. Exposing false teachers, and they almost make a career out of it. I don't know if they, you know, what kind of money they make or whatever, but they just spend a lot of time trying to deal with just that. And everything tends to be overly sensationalized, um, which is unfortunate. But the thing I have noticed about a lot of these people is that they really do have a grasp on where these people are going wrong in their teachings. The problem is that they're also just declaring them heretics. Not saved, not Christian, and just someone that needs to be completely avoided that 's really, really difficult to to try to grab a hold of you know um, just because you don't you, you don 't have the same theological position with uh, uh, on a topic with someone does not mean that they are not a believer that they are not saved it, it that does not mean anything like that. You have to be very, very careful with these things. I me give you a couple of examples um, John MacArthur and John Piper, two very big names in the Christian community. Um, I think they have a lot of great teachings in a lot of, in a lot of areas, but there's a number of things that they deal with that I just can't get on board with. I, I can't agree with them on, on a lot of topics. Calvinism is one of them. Um, they're both hardcore Calvinists. Can't get there. Can't get there. I cannot see how that plays out, plays out in scripture. I disagree with them completely on that, on that topic, but that does not mean that they're, that they're heretics and they're not going to be in heaven, that they don't know God. It means they have a different view on the work of Christ. It's, 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 a, it's, a, different, it's a, different, a different take on it. But at the end of the day, we all agree on the important things, that Jesus came, lived, taught, died, and rose again for the salvation of man, that we are all saved by, uh, uh, by grace through faith, in, uh, by, by putting our faith in Christ and Christ alone. We agree on where it is important. How you how you ripple that out isn't that isn't that isn't that big of a deal. We disagree, but we can still work together in, in in different areas. So there's 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 times where, yeah, you may not you may you may not line up with someone all the way around, but you have to be very careful as to when you're gonna cut someone off. So check this out. Romans um sixteen seventeen. Um Uh, Chapter 16, verse 17 says, I urge you, brothers, to watch out for those who cause divisions and put snares alongside the teachings which you have been trained. Keep away from them. So people will read this read this verse and they'll say, you know, stay away from people who cause division. Well, unfortunately, that's not what the verse says. You know, um, you know, people like me who are uh, speaking out against people like Bill Johnson, Chris Vallotton, other other people in the NAR movement, you know, Peter Wagner, Todd Bentley, Todd White, all these all these guys. When people say, you know, you're 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 an accuser of the brethren, you're you're just causing division. And Roman says that we should we should ignore you. OK, um, but if you look at the verse, the verse is actually very specific about what they what what is referred to as division, okay? So I urge you, brothers, to watch out for those who cause division and put snares alongside the teaching in which you have been trained. Okay, so division and snares, people who are causing the church to divide, and they're, they're putting these these traps in line with the gospel message. Division in this point is not accidental. It's not a view. It is, an, it is a purposeful alteration. You're placing obstacles in front of other people to cause them to have to go in a different direction. Um, so we're not simply talking about someone who might believe that only hymns should be used in worship or that maybe, you know, um, electric guitars and electric drums and things like that should never enter the church. And, and, you know, you should only use the organ, which is funny because the organ didn't actually exist when these things are written. Um, you know, there's there's so many pieces that we have to be very careful with. We have to know the difference between an opinion and how are you going to order your life and a severe doctrinal departure. Where I draw the line, this is just my, my personal opinion. And a lot of these questions, I'm just going to give you my personal opinion and kind of why I fall in these, in these certain areas. My personal opinion is that when we look at these things, you have to understand that there is a point at which um, when when people uh, uh, diverge from the gospel message, that's when that that's when I just I just can't be connected with uh, um, with people who are doing these things. So let me give you a couple of examples of what I mean by that. Um, people who are knowingly adding or taking away from from the the teaching of God's word. So here's some here's some modern examples. Some things that I actually mentioned through that series um, that the Bible is just a book filled with good stories and myths that are not actually true. So that's denying the actual um, spiritual intent of Scripture. When people are doing this, they're adding to or they're taking away from the actual teachings of Scripture. I, that, that, is, that is irreconcilable with the teachings of God's word. God's word. God's Word is either inspired and inerrant and timeless, or it is not. And if it's not, then why would we use it? If God's Word is not inerrant, meaning containing no errors, no flaws, no lies, no exaggerations, nothing, inerrant, timeless, meaning that there is application for that word throughout all time for all of God's people, then why would we trust it in any way, shape, or form if it wasn't? If it was just myths and stories meant to inspire, uh, you know what, I can get that from the Chronicles of Narnia. I can get that from the Lord of the Rings. I can get that from anywhere. Why would I commit my life to the teachings of a book that I'm believing isn't actually from god that's that's a big deal um and that's 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 a position held by a lot of people um so the other one salvation was not the main purpose for um uh was not jesus' main purpose for coming to earth I showed you several uh, uh times where this was brought up by by significant speakers of uh, bill johnson chris valentin to name two um this is a this is a view that they have that that jesus didn't come to earth just to save he came to earth to bring the holy spirit salvation was just something that was necessary that is irreconcilable with the gospel message irreconcilable there's no way to make that work with the, with the gospel message none you actually take everything that god intended about jesus and push it to the side and put all of your eggs in the basket we like to call the Holy Spirit. And then everything becomes centered around that. That is a, a intentional departure from the gospel message. I, I can't, I can't be, I'm not going to be associated with that. Um, there's there's nothing about that that becomes usable. Um, uh, here's another one. The believers should embrace certain pagan and new age practices, uh, give them a Christian name, and then use them for ministry. We saw that through Christ alignment and things like that. Even though the Bible specifically speaks... And, and directs us to not do these things, to avoid these things, to stay away from these practices. But here you have teachers in our modern day saying, no, this is this is what we should be doing because they've stolen these things from us and we need to reclaim them, even though the Bible is, continue, is consistently telling us to avoid these things. See, it's irreconcilable with the gospel message. Or that God used some mystical energy field to create the universe and we need to learn how to access that so we can gain the same kind of a power because we're just little gods, by the way. Which at the same time is, again, irreconcilable with the teachings of the Bible. This, these types of pursuits, they're, they're, we are told plainly, avoid these things. Stay away from these things. You can't, you can't commit yourself to these. But what do we do? We do it anyway. This is this is this, this is where I draw the line. When people are trying to move me away, or when you hear people say you got to be willing to go off the map, or you know you have to be willing to to go to go beyond the Bible because God is bigger than His book, um, that which sounds great, but all that does is lead all that leads to is heresy. Um, this is just irreconcilable gobbledygook, um, uh, and they, it goes way beyond mere opinion. It goes into actual action that leads us away from the teaching of God's word, not towards the teaching of God, God's word. Um, so therefore the task of knowing when to walk away and when to just agree to disagree, there's a lot of people that, that that I know and work with that we just agree to disagree. We have, we have very different views on a lot of different things. I have no problem with that. As long as we agree with uh, with, the, with the centrality of the gospel message, the inerrancy of God's word, as long as we, uh, we can agree with all that, you can have, you can have lots of different applications of these things. But the main thing has to stay the main thing. Um, so a couple easy ways to work this out. Like how do you, how do you learn how to have this, um, have this conversation and, and, and stay in, this, stay in this, uh, th- this mindset where you know when it's time to cut something loose and when it's time to just agree to disagree. So a couple different things you might want to think about is, is prayer. You have to approach this thing prayerfully. If you're going to step away from a teacher, you're going to step away from a ministry, um, going to openly speak against someone's teaching. You really need to approach it perfectly uh because in in reality you may be wrong, you may have the wrong opinion, and you've really got to approach this in humility. Um, you need to read and study your bible um i'm <laughs> i i I've run into so many people um who have uh connected with me about that series, and uh, a lot of them honestly have have said things like uh, you know, hey, I, I caught the last message that you did. Okay, and, and in total there were fourteen of these messages uh where we carefully laid out the argument, okay. Uh said, you know, I saw the last message and I don't think you approached it in a really studied way. <laughs> so they caught the last forty minutes of a fourteen week uh series and, and their their thought is they're not sure that I put en- that, that I really um um explained things carefully enough. Uh, to have the views that I had in that last message, and they admit that they didn't didn 't actually look into any of the other ones hadn 't looked at anything hadn 't read any of the books that I talked about were not familiar with the uh, with the messages that we talked about and and basically they had no desire to actually look into it uh, it's a it 's a frightening thing how much we will stay attached to something we like and how adamantly we will avoid being taught the truth. Because there's a reality when you're taught something, when you learn something, um, you are now bound to do something with that understanding. You are now committed to actually applying what it is that you've learned. So when, you, when you're taught something, when, you, when, you're, when your understanding in, on, a, on a given topic grows, now, you, now you've got to do something with what you've learned. And I meet so many people who don't want to. I've, I've been told this. You know, I think the study you did, uh, actually probably the weirdest one I ever heard was uh, that, I, that I got to me was I think the study you did is great and needed, but I'm probably not going to listen to it because then I'm going to have to do something about it. And I'm thinking, are you out of your mind? Are you, are you, are you actually crazy? You know that, that that what we're talking about is good, but you're so committed. You, you, you're so committed to to being happy in your ignorance that you're actually going to avoid the truth because then you're going to actually have to make a decision to either cut these people loose and move in, a, in in a different way or not, to me that's that's crazy. That's just crazy. I'd rather I'd rather follow a lie in ignorance than have to have to make a decision based on understanding the understanding the truth. That's that's just odd. That's just crazy. Um, but as we read the Bible, it's kind of the same thing. I know there's a lot of people in church, and I'm sure all of you know people in the church who have lots of Bibles. Um, but they haven't actually read through it even once. They don't spend time in it on a regular basis because if they spend time in it on a regular basis, they're going to have to do something with the information that they learn. They're going to have to do something with what God is going to teach and reveal to them. But if you want to understand who you can and who you, sh- who you should and who you shouldn't allow to speak into your life, you have to read the Bible for yourself. Otherwise, going back to Acts chapter 17, you don't know how to see how to search the scriptures for the truth. You're just bound to whatever a man tells you, and I've said this before. When you stand before God and you have to give an account for your life, telling God that you know you went to such such and such person's church is not an excuse. It's your faith, and you have to take control of it, control over it. And, and God has given us His entire Word. To whom much is given, much is required. You have His entire Word in your in your hand, on your phone, in your home, probably multiple copies, and it's really up to us to spend time intentionally studying it. If, if we don't, we don't have anyone to blame but ourselves. Uh, but at the same time, good study. There's good study. There's bad study. Um, you can study very, very intently um, uh, in a, in a bad way, and basically all you're going to get is bad information. So pay attention to your sources. Make sure they're credible. Make sure that they're um, that they have also been reviewed and and uh, are peer reviewed and, and have uh, have a good reputation. There's a lot of inf- a lot of sources and information out there that's just not worth your time. Um, and at the same time join a gospel centric church community, and what I mean by join is not just attend but become part, connect with other people who are on the same journey who want to commit themselves to God and to the truth of god 's word and then and then join with those people, link arms and arms with them, work with them, serve with them um you know help keep them in line, let them help keep you in line, but you join the community because that's that's a a um uh, uh, a very important way of keeping us in line with God's teachings. Okay, so that's enough about question two. Let's move on to uh, question three, because I think this is a good one. Um, so the question three was, um, I know people who have used the Enneagram, um, and it was uh, it has really helped them. Uh, I also hear some big-name Christian leaders endorsing it, so why should we avoid something that has helped people and seems to be accepted by other leaders? Okay, um, so first... If you have not listened to the podcast, The Truth About the Enneagram, you really need to go back and listen to it uh, because there is a lot of information there. Um, second, just because someone influential is endorsing it does not mean that they have actually looked into it. Okay. Now, sometimes, and this is, just a, this is just a reality of our life, we get caught up in the effect of something. Oh, look, there's this thing that's helping a lot of people. Wow, I should, I should try that. And, and we get caught up in the effect of something. Before we actually start to learn about the cause. Okay. So we, we, we look at the benefits of something before we start to realize where this, where this thing came from, how it was devised, and what it might actually be doing to me. Um, so this is, this is an an, an important thing. And I'm hoping that as these bigger name Christian celebrities, um, learn where the Enneagram comes from, um, how it was concepted that they will turn their public endorsement into a public reduce and, uh, rebuke and condemnation. I, I hope, I hope. Um, but to, to speak directly to the question, why is it that we should, um, uh, that we should reject this thing if it's helped people? Uh, first, I hope you do, uh, the, the, the one of you who asked, who asked the question, hopefully you're actually watching this at some point in time. Um, I hope you actually go back and listen to, that that podcast, the truth about the Enneagram, because I can tell from the question that you haven't. Because um, if, if you had, you wouldn't have asked asked that question because it was very clearly laid out. But I wanted to show you two things from that um uh, from that podcast that uh, that I think will help this. The first one is understanding where this thing was concepted from. Um, so this <laughs> I got two video clips here for you. Uh, the first one is from the guy who actually put the modern version of the Enneagram out. Um, and you're going to see where he came up with these ideas. The Enneagram's only been around for a little over a hundred years. It was concept in the early 1900s. Um, but I'm not going to get back into all the details because it's laid out in the other podcast. So here's a video clip showing you um, the uh, uh, Claudio Naranjo is the guy who actually concepted the, what we call the modern Enneagram. And here's him talking about how he put it together. Okay, so. Oh, that's. That's the actual enneagram. What it looks like. So that's the interact. Inter- the integrative. The enneagram itself is that little star pattern on the inside of it, and the numbers and and the the, the types and stuff. It's essentially astrology for it, with with a new name. Is basically all it is. Um, but here's the video clip of him talking about it.
1: That all this came from millennia ago, well, and, from, and the disinformation that. came from the Sufis. Yes, I told him that actually Oscar Richardson had not described any of the Enneatypes either. Actually, in the uh, uh, seven months we spent with him, he devoted about six hours to talk about the Enneagram, but he never came to describe any one of the types. That was right. all, all that came In Chile. In Chile, yeah. 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 So that yeah. came from my own observations, but mostly from automatic writing. It automatic came, writing? Yeah, it came to me through automatic writing. What did uh, the, the specific information and aniotypes. about, about any types, which yes. I then verified through observation, because it, I was this. surrounded by people right. I was teaching and exploring with. And I had <coughs> I had friends in Erika who told me essentially the same story yeah. that John there Hillen. was no mention of no others besides. You yes. said there was no mention of any
0: types except from you. Yes. So. Right there, you have you have this guy talking about where he actually came up with the information. And it came came to him through a process called automatic writing. Now, automatic writing is something that most Christians are unaware of, but people in the occult are very aware of this. Coming from an occult background, I had some experience with this. It's something I tried a couple times, never really worked for me. Um, but when you actually know what it is, it's, it's really frightening. So I've got one more video clip to help you understand what this thing is. And, uh, um, so here you go. I'll let them explain it and then I'll comment on it afterwards. So first off, what is automatic writing? Automatic
2: writing is using writing to basically connect with your guides and receive information. This has been a technique that is been used consciously or unconsciously by writers. I wanted to talk to you today about utilizing automatic writing as a way to get in touch with your intuition or your spirit guides and guardian angels. And automatic writing is exactly what it sounds like. You just kind of let um, yourself be taken over by whatever wants to be written. And so the first example of this is Fernando Pessoa. And I just want to read a quote from him. I started with the title, The Keeper of the Sheep, and what followed was the apparition of somebody inside me to whom I once gave the name Alberto Quiero. Forgive me for the absurdity of the phrase. My master had appeared in me. This was the immediate sensation I had. And sometimes they would call this that somebody else was in them writing or that they had, like, somebody speaking to them. And so sometimes you see these books not necessarily written by the writer, but by a pseudo name. Um, I I would like to speak about automatic writing because I don't think I ever defined it when we've had the Claudia Naranjo. clip like we're having in this one. So I used to do automatic writing as part of the channeling work that I did as a heretic in the new age. And what the processes of automatic writing is emptying your mind, which already is dangerous because that leaves room for demonic infiltration. And you literally listen for a voice or a feeling or a thought, or sometimes there's the sense real sense that someone takes over the pencil or the keyboard and writes through you. And you're usually not even aware of what's being written through you. And that's how Claudio Naranjo came up with these nine enneotypes. That is absolute occult. That's even darker than most of the new age that you see. And it means that the Enneagram, the enneotypes are doctrines of demons.
0: That's That's pretty serious. <coughs> Excuse me. So the when when Christians are using the enneagram, when they attach themselves to this and they say, you know, this thing really helped me understand who I am, you're, what you're literally doing is you're allowing the demonic to define you. That's literally what you're doing. Whether or not it's even close to being accurate is irrelevant. You are putting your faith in the demonic, and you're taking and that is unimaginably dangerous. So no matter how many people it has helped, you. You don't get help from the demonic in your walk in in your in the in the Christian walk. You don't you don't give yourself over to, to allowing the demonic to define you or to give you direction. And you might as well turn your Sunday morning services into a seance and grab Ouija boards and try to figure out, you know, what your dead ancestors want you to want you to do. There's really very little difference between those things. So the Enneagram by itself, although it may have helped some people put certain, th- certain things together in their life, it, it was concepted and it was designed literally by the demonic. That's why we can't we, we can't give ourselves over to that. So that's a it's, it's a great question, but it's very important to understand where these things come from. Um so that way you don't you don't get caught up in the effect of something. Oh hey, wow, this makes me feel good. Um, you know, um every time I've gone to the hospital with kidney stones, they give me morphine. Morphine really makes me feel good, but you know what? It will kill me if if I don't if I don't figure out how to stay away from it. Uh it'd be it'd be, it'd be crazy. So um all right, so let's get on to a couple of other ones. So uh this one's about prayer and I, I really like this question. It says concerning prayer, while we have learned that some hypercharismatics often pray and take authority over situations, circumstances, etc. In an unbiblical way, is it not a right thing? Do we not have the have any authority through Jesus in His name? This is a fantastic question. This really is awesome. <coughs> Excuse me. So first, yes, pray and pray with authority. Pray with confidence. Pray with uh, pray with deliberation. You know, uh, pray, pray deliberately. Um, praying with authority in and about your your circumstances is a right, good, and clearly biblically supported thing, and we should be doing this. Um, I think where the misuse comes from, um, is when we pray, uh, when we not only pray with authority, but we also pray with an expectation that God is going to obey us. Uh, and this is a, this is a sticky area because people are going to say, no, you're over, you're, you're over generalizing. And some people say, well, no, I think you're not being specific enough. Uh, let's just, just, just listen and get an idea of what I'm talking about here. Um, so when we, when we pray with authority, Uh, And we, we, we pray we're going to, we're going to, uh, we might think we're going to take dominion over uh, a a circumstance. We're going to claim our authority in this given circumstance. Okay. So let's, let's look at a couple of examples of how this might play out and how it may affect, um, what we do and don't do. So when we pray and we pray with authority and that God, and we pray fully believing that God is going to get in the middle of this and God is going to act on our behalf. Okay. Um, when we pray for someone, someone comes to you and they say, i just been diagnosed with cancer. Okay, we pray and we pray with authority and we pray that God is going to get in the middle of this and God is going to respond to our prayers. Um, we naturally pray for healing. We naturally pray for health and patience and, you know, and perseverance and, and whatever, you know, whatever else comes to your mind at that, at that moment. But let me ask you a, a simple question. What happens when the healing, if the healing doesn't come? We prayed with authority, we prayed with expectation, we prayed in faith, but what happens when the healing doesn't come? Is God still in control if the healing doesn't come? Have we still prayed in a, with authority if the healing doesn't come? Have we still prayed with expectation if the healing doesn't come? Um, is it the fault of the sick person? For not having enough faith, is there people around them that they have the faith, but you know what? The person receiving the healing just didn't have enough faith, and therefore they didn't receive the healing. See, there's a lot of problems with that because I've known people who aren't even Christians who have been prayed for and have have, have experienced healings. Uh, so that person having the right amount of faith is pretty uh, demonstrably incorrect because uh, you can see it ha- you can see it playing out in different ways in life. So are, is that person hiding a secret sin? Um, well, again, you have to have have the conversation. What about people who don't even know the Lord, who obviously are steeped in sin, who still find healing? Uh, so there's there's a lot of there's a lot of like weird area in there. Um, but the bigger question is, does God heal all the time at our request? <laughs> that's that's a pretty serious question. Is it God's will to heal all the time? Now if you if you follow Bill Johnson's teaching, he will say over and over and over again, and he has hundreds of times that it is always God's will to heal. Okay. Um, there's several problems with that, um, in a demonstrable way throughout centuries of recorded Christianity, that is just not true. That statement by itself is just not true. Now, if you doubt me, you got to go all the way back to the, to all the way back to, to Acts and, and the life of Paul, Paul had afflictions through his entire ministry do you think no one ever prayed for Paul that his eyes would be healed or this thorn, however you want to describe his thorn in the flesh? Do you think no one ever, uh, ever, ever prayed that that would go away? Yet it didn't. Uh, are we saying that Paul didn't have faith? That Paul didn't pray in authority? Of course he did. It was. it would be silly to think otherwise. Um, so the reality is that although God heals, because we know that, um, God is not bound to obey us In all of our demands. Um, So now now think about this. Uh, David, that's exactly right. That's exactly right. Um, If we're praying in faith and confidence that God will act on our behalf, which the word says he will, right? Um, Is God now bound to respond to my prayer in the manner that I have chosen? See, this is this is the, this is where I think it gets sticky. Okay, um, sometimes we pray and we think that praying with authority and taking dominion over a situation means that we command the outcome. And this is this is where I think we miss the mark. This is where I think that things are are applied inappropriately. We do not command the outcome. We petition the one who does. We petition the one who can say yes, you are healed. No, you are not. You, we we petition the one on our behalf and then he makes the decision right so um if i say be healed is the holy spirit obligated to obey my direction within that circumstance of course not of course not if i pray for a, a, a pray with authority for provision in my life you know let's say i'm 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 unemployed and i'm i'm you know down down on my luck whatever and i'm praying with authority, Authority and with faith that God brings me provision is God is the, is God and the Holy Spirit now obligated to provide me the job that I want? Is God obligated to provide for me the job that I want? No. More than likely, I'm obligated to take the job where God wants me. There might be a job that I want. Lord, I want a job where I'm gonna be able to make, you know, a uh, million dollars a year and really have minimal minimal effort on my part. Um, no, maybe God wants you digging ditches next to, next to next to people who need to hear the gospel message. Maybe that's what you're supposed to be doing. So the provision that God has for you, according to His will. Maybe something very different from what you're asking for, but we prayed in authority we took we took authority over the situation we claimed dominion we 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 decided that we were in control of this situation, yet God took us in a different direction, so you kind of have to ask yourself who is the one in charge? if I pray with authority and confidence that and and I'm confident that God will act okay i'm I'm sure God is going to respond to this situation and it's going to be. Uh, 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 right, and it's going to be in line with His purposes and His will. Shouldn't that bring me to a place where I will accept whatever outcome He brings? Right, uh, and you guys are exactly right. Sometimes things, the, the answer does not come in a way that we that we want, but it comes in the way that is that is in line with God's plan. If I'm praying with authority, it's going to come down with who's in control. If I'm in control, then the Holy Spirit is bound to do what I tell it to do. But plainly, we can see that play out all over the place. That is just not what happens. The Holy Spirit is not is not uh, is not under our command. We are under the command of the Spirit. The Holy Spirit brings us the will of God, and we commit ourselves to that path, whatever that is. Whether it's praying for someone's healing, whether it's bringing uh, uh, bringing a word of knowledge to someone, whether or not it's bringing groceries to someone, it makes absolutely no difference. The Spirit leads, we follow, not the other way around. We have authority in our lives, but I think the biggest area of authority that we have in that situation, when we claim authority over the situation— We claim as as much as we're speaking to the situation, we're speaking to ourselves within the situation, that no matter what the outcome is, it will not deter us from our faith in the Lord. That we trust in his path and in his message and in his will. We claim authority over the situation. Say, if I, if I'm, if I'm, if I'm sick, I can, I can claim authority over the situation. Lord, I'm claiming I'm, 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 I'm leaning on your word. I'm going to, I'm going to give myself over to you and I'm trusting that you're going to lead me through this process. Rather I'm healed or not. I think Jesus probably said it best. Your will be done. Nevertheless, Lord, your will be done. When Jesus in the garden and Jesus said, if there's any other way that you could do this, it would be great. Nevertheless, your will be done. Okay. That's, that I think is a pretty good example for us. Regardless of what the outcome that we're looking for, what we should be doing is claiming authority over ourselves within the situation to be willing to follow God in the outcome that he desires, whatever that outcome looks like. You know, um, it's. It's, it's not up to us <laughs> to, to determine what the, uh, um, uh, what our days look like. We follow God and we submit to whatever he brings us. That's, that's, that, that I think is, is the idea there. So yes, claim authority and have, have, um, uh, uh and pray with confidence. But at the same time, we have to, uh, trust that God knows what he's doing because he does. We're the ones that don't know what we're doing. <laughs> half the time um, so this kind of goes along with that can we declare scriptures over over and through situations for people when we pray what would be uh, would that be considered effectual <clears throat> yes absolutely please do please pray the word of God over other people <laughs> this is where it becomes an issue uh, make sure that you understand the scripture that you're using because we we love we love 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 to pray scriptures over people that really have nothing nothing to do with that situation or that might even be be different probably the most most uh popular one that we that we look at is Philippians 4:13. I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me, right? We 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 pray that out of time. You're having a hard time. Oh, you can do all things through Christ who strengthens you. Yes. God's going to bring you victory. God's going to bring you, you know, um uh prosperity, God's going to bring you healing because you can do all things through Christ who strengthens you. But we forget that the context that that verse is set in. <laughs> the context that that verse is set in is Paul saying, you know what? I've been naked. I've been clothed. I've been hungry. I've been fed. I've been, you know, I've been cold. I've been rained on. I've been shipwrecked. Oh, by the way, he died. You know, it's, it's, he's been bitten by poisonous snakes. You know, he's like, you know what? I can do all of this. I can, I can walk through all of this. This is, this is all okay. My life might be, look, might look like it's going down the tubes to everyone else around me, but you know what? I can walk through it because Christ strengthens, strengthens me. So if you're going to, pray a verse over someone, just make sure you're using the right verse and uh, that you understand the context that that verse is in. Otherwise you may sound great, but it's not really, uh, um, it's not really very true. Um, but you know, the good thing is God, God evaluates our heart. Um, not necessarily our head sometimes. Uh, cause I, I think if God judged us by, by what we knew, we'd all come up woefully inadequate. Um, so let's, uh, let's, let's keep going. I think I might have time for one more. Um, And I think that this this is a good one. So um, what about being in the presence of the Lord? Technically, he is always with us. So we are in are we are in essence, always in his presence. But is it wrong to say that sometimes you can sense the actual presence of the Lord? Okay. So sometimes my wife is talking to me. I'm in the same room. I might even be on the same piece of furniture. Um, And I have no idea what she's saying. Like every, like not, I'm not even sure she's even speaking to me because honestly, sometimes I can't tell. It, I can't tell whether or not she's speaking to me or to one of the dogs because sometimes the conversation sounds sounds very much the same. Um, you know, usually when I hear "good boy," I know that that's that that's one of the dogs. But sometimes there's just a, she'll have a you know a very fruitful conversation with one of them, and I'm not even I'm not even you know I'm there, but I'm not even part of it. Um, but you know, it's totally fine uh, because I do the same thing. Uh, but the reason why sometimes I can be in the same room with her and not hear a word she's saying. Uh, is not because she's not there. It's because I'm not listening. It's, it's really just that simple. Um, I'm not listening. My attention is elsewhere. I may be focusing on something else. Um, listening is an intentional act. Okay. It is an intentional act. It requires us to make a choice. And that choice is to focus our attention on that which we are supposed to be listening to. Um, so I think there are, there are times and circumstances where we are more open to the spirit that is around us because the Holy Spirit is around us at all times. God is with us at all times. Um, but you can see that there are times in our lives where we are more open to the reality of that spiritual presence than we are in other times. So here's an example. You get two people who go to an event they might come to church, they might come to church if that ever happens again. Um, and uh, so the uh, uh, they're there and, you know, worship is going or something's going on. And you got one person who really intently felt the presence of God and just, just, just had a, had, had a wonderful experience, just felt, you know, just, just felt loved and comforted. And they, they would walk away saying, I I just really felt the presence of God in that meeting today. Then you got someone else who's just like, I didn't feel anything. I, uh, you know, what, uh, are you telling me that God was actually there? You know, one person feels this, that feels the spirit really, really intensely. And the other person doesn't feel a thing. What's the difference? Is that, is it that the room only had the Holy Spirit on one part of it, or is it that the people in the room were in different places? They were in, in different states of mind. One person was more open and receptive; and the other person wasn't. I, I think it comes down to the person. I think life tends to distract us very effectively, and sometimes when when we we finally kind of reach the end of our uh, the end of end of our rope and kind of give up. Trying to do things on our own, we begin to realize that God is in control, and we can actually can actually um, uh, lean on and understand Him better, and we are more receptive to what God is doing in our lives. Uh, I think that's when we have we can have these amazing experiences with uh, with God, and they become very meaningful. Um, but that's th- there's nothing wrong with that. So yes, absolutely, there are times where you can you can fully sense the presence of God. Been there multiple times myself. Now, let's, let's deal with the misuse of this sometimes, because it, it can get, re- it can really, really get, you know, you know, banana town, uh, in, in a, in a heartbeat. Um, the misuse is, I think, when we, we believe that we, okay, that we have the power to make the spirit manifest. That, that the manifestation of the spirit, the, the Holy Spirit of God be- becomes dependent on us. Like somehow our actions are going to coax the spirit into the room. You know, it's kind of like we're having church, but the spirit is kind of outside deciding whether or not it wants to come in and, you know, whether or not we really want it to come in, even though it's a building full of God's people who are trying to seek God and hear from God. The Holy Spirit's outside just kind of waiting for permission of some kind or for us to do a certain number of actions that finally make the Holy Spirit think that we deserve the, the spirit to come in. Uh, so there's there's all kinds of... um. Uh, uh, ways to look at this. Uh, let me look at this real quick. Well, exactly. Yeah. Even if you don't feel uh, the, the spirit is there, he is. It, it's just important to remember that. So, um, so there, there are things, and uh, I, I just look at them as as spiritual recipes. And there's a lot of people trying to teach this stuff. And it's, it's, it's someone coming from come from the New Age. This is really disturbing stuff. When you, when you start to see this, it's like really disturbing stuff because these ideas of this spiritual recipe are, are more than just, you know, oh, well, you know, they just they just mean the best. Nah, I, don't, I don't think they do. Um, I think they're trying to create something on their own and they're trying to rely on their own power and ability within a situation, and that's not a good thing, okay? So um, what it comes down to, I think, is this. When people say that you have to play the right kind of music. See, the spirit doesn't the spirit's not in your church and I've heard this the spirit's not in your church like it is in ours because you don't play the right kind of music you play that slow stuff what you really need is the fast music you know the the spirit of God really loves drums really loves electric really loves the modern stuff that's really where the spirit of God is okay um or you know this the spirit of God would show up if you just let people dance so people down in the front need to be dancing because dancing ushers in the Spirit of God, okay? Um, um, so, or, you know, you, what you really need if you want the Spirit of God in your meeting is you need a group of people in a room off to the side or in the back just praying in tongues because that is what brings the Spirit of God, okay? Um, or, you know, what you really need is a group of people um, using flags, but they have to use the right color flag, okay? Uh, because that's what releases releases the Holy Spirit in your meeting, Okay, probably the strangest one that I've ever heard was when people, you go into a meeting and you'll hear someone say something like, um, uh, we have opened up a portal to heaven and now the Spirit of God is going to be released into the room. Okay, uh, or we need to blow the shofar to scare the demons away. I mean, there's just, it, it gets so weird so fast. But what it all comes back to is us having the power and the Holy Spirit being commanded by us or given permission by us to, to enter the space. Um, at what point did we become more powerful than the Holy Spirit? At what point does the Holy Spirit have to rely on our permission to be the Holy Spirit? Uh, the first time I heard someone talking about opening up a portal to heaven Um, and and now they were going to release the Spirit of God onto onto people. Um, Again, as someone coming from the New Age, that's creepy. Like, really, really creepy. I can find nowhere, nowhere, where God needed man to open up a doorway for his Spirit to enter a space. Nowhere. I can, in my own experiences and, uh, and and other people in the new age would tell you the same thing. I can find all kinds of references where the demonic need permission for someone to open up a door to allow the demonic presence into a meeting uh, uh, where where god's people are gathered Someone needs to 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 make that to, to make that happen and I can't find any example where God needed us to create for him a door. So that we could reach his spirit. This is strange. It's very, very strange. But people love this stuff. Oh my gosh! there's a portal to heaven. We need to get down there and get all the spirit that we can. This is this is banana towns, man. This is this is this is just just silly stuff. And it the the real problem with it is it all rests in our ability, our power, um, our capability to coax the spirit out. That's not anywhere through scripture. That's not found in God's word at all. We are committed to the leading of the Spirit. The Spirit is not bound to our leading. We're supposed to be open to it, not the other way around. It's very important for us to understand this. So again, you know, this is, this is just my opinion, um, that if we're going to be in the presence of God, we also need to be committed to obey, being obedient to the presence of God. Not taking up some sort of false sense of authority but now now that I'm here, you know, um, I've, I've heard I've heard guest speakers in churches say that, you know, now that they're finally here, the spirit of God is really going to, to show up um, or, uh, you know, I brought my I brought my special worship leader because they really bring the spirit of God with them uh because obviously the 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 worship the worship team at that particular church doesn't have the ability to bring the spirit of God like the other person does because there's some sort of magic magic you know um uh, recipe that they're supposed to be using it's not the way it works God's spirit is open to anyone willing to receive it. The question is are we in a place where we're willing to receive sometimes we are sometimes we're not we've got to we've got to commit ourselves to what God is doing. Um, and remember that we are at <laughs> we are at the beck and call of of him. He's not a, at our beck and call. Um, OK, so I think I'm going to stop here because we're we're at about an hour and I will try to keep this thing to about an hour. Um, uh, and there are several other other questions. Maybe I'll try to deal with these at, an, at another time or I'll put them back in a in, in a bank. But, you know, but at the end of the day, just remember that. Dealing with false teaching is something that we all have to do. It is, is something we're all commanded to do. We're all called to do this, um, but it is something that we have to do very carefully and with a lot of prayer and a lot of humility. Uh, it's not just some sort of blank check that we get to do anything we want at any time we want and call everyone a heretic because you know they don't listen to the right music. Um, so um, the idea is, is that we need to we need to approach this thing very humbly, um, but at the same time, this is something that we're supposed to to do. Um, just remember the 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 spirit of god is alive and active in the in this world it's he's uh it's 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 available to you um it's that's it's it's there for it's there for you to help lead and guide you uh to help bring you to where god's will is but we need to make make sure that we're in a place where we submit to god's will the first place we're going to find god's will is in his word every single time so when you feel the spirit speaking to you you go back to god's word and you validate that you 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 can find that somewhere in there because it is there. Some people say that everything that not everything you need for life is found in the Bible. That's an absolute lie. Everything you need for life is found in the Bible. It's just whether or not you understand how to see it. Um, but that's where your pastor and your church is going to come in. Um, so take this thing seriously. You know that, that's that's I think that's the the important part there. Don't don't take it lightly. Don't um don't blow it off. Uh, don't don't talk about. Don't think that it's just not that big a deal because it it really is a big deal. Um, God wants us to take Him seriously, His word seriously, and His mission seriously. Uh, and that means that we need to be fully committed to it, fully committed to one another, and fully committed to the success of God's purposes, whatever that looks like in our life. Maybe that means we're at the top of the top of the pile. Maybe that means we're on the bottom helping other people. It's irrelevant. it's about getting there, not about what happens here. What happens here is largely irrelevant. This life isn't that long anyway. Eternity's a whole lot longer. I hope we realize that. So uh, I'm going to shut up now, and we're going to get uh, we're going to get moving. And um, so remember this uh, this Sunday, and in the coming weeks, we're going to be talking about we're going to be talking about hope. We're going to be talking about perseverance and how we can move through this COVID stupidity um, in a way that is going to be most helpful for us, and um, um, how we can can kind of help one another i'd love to like i said i'd love to know what you're doing to help yourself through this what are you doing to keep yourself active and um yeah i think god's got some some amazing things in store for all of us and uh you know i appreciate y'all being here lord bless you if i don't see you on sunday i will see you next wednesday thank